Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Paul lays it out for us in Philippians, Philippians 2.5, says this, In your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Think and act like Christ Jesus. That's what being a Christian is all about, being like Jesus. See, some people think that being a Christian is about being a good person. They think it's about living a moral life. They think it's about doing your best, bettering yourself. They think it's about, you know, doing those types of things. And while all those things are great, and I encourage you to do those things because they're just good things to do, that's not actually what being a Christian is about. See, anyone can do that. You don't have to know Jesus to live your life like that. Can I get an amen? But to know Jesus means that you're Christ-like. See, God hasn't called us to be good people. I'm going to let you know something. None of us are good. That's why Jesus came, because we're not good people. So if you're trying to be a good person in terms of, you know, this is going to get me into heaven, you're not going to make it. You've got to have Jesus in your life. And so God hasn't called us to be good or moral or to search your destiny or to seek this or that. God's called you to be like His Son, Jesus, to be Christ-like. My main thought from week one was this, being Christ-like begins by being with Jesus. The being with Jesus. There was that passage of Scripture where it said that these men, they spoke, they started to speak and, they were, and, the, and, the, and the religious leaders were, were amazed at the way that they spoke. And then they, what did they realize? They realized these men had been with Jesus. And today we might think, well, we can't be with Jesus because he's not on earth anymore. He's in heaven. How can we walk with him? When you open up your Bible, just as I just said earlier, when you open up your Bible, read the stories of Jesus healing people, praying for people, teaching people, you're with Jesus. When you come to church here on a Sunday and worship Together with other believers, we believe that the presence of Jesus comes into this place. Guess what? You're being with Jesus. When you do those types of things, when you pray and worship, when you listen to the Holy Spirit, His voice day by day speaking to you in your day-to-day life moments, it's not just on a Sunday, it's not just when you're with other Christians, it's when you're in your car, it's when you're waiting at the doctor's appointment, it's while you know, you're getting, filling up your car with petrol, you're mowing the lawn, you're with Jesus in those moments. You can be like Christ. Week two, we looked at how we are like Jesus when we serve others like Jesus served others. See, we can serve people but it's not just about serving people, it's about serving people, how Jesus served people. And I let you in on a little secret last week that sometimes my motives to serve you are because in return, I know that one day you're going to do something for me when I ask you. But we're not had those kind of motives, we're to serve like Jesus served people. Someone who is Christ-like is serving the people around them like Jesus served the people around them. How, how did Jesus serve? He had no ulterior motive. Like It wasn't like, I'm going to do this for you. Then in the future, you're going to do this for me. He served others. He served those who didn't deserve it. Sometimes the people God has called you to serve, maybe they don't deserve it. But guess what? We don't deserve Jesus. But he's so great. He came for us. And we, he, Jesus served to meet the needs of people. See a need, meet the need. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and, and, and you might be questioning, well, where do I need to see, uh, serve people, Pastor Bronson? Don't ask me, ask God. You don't need me to tell you. 
If you've been walking any time with Jesus, if you've been walking any time with God, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal where He wants you to serve. Hey, you see a need? Holy Spirit, do I need a, to meet this need? You see someone going through something? Holy Spirit, do I need to serve this person? Let Him guide you and direct you. Be sensitive to what He's saying and do that. Uh, you can get onto our church website, listen to those podcasts if you missed those messages. Let's pray. God, this morning, I thank you we've come to meet with you. We haven't come here to just do a religious practice. We haven't come here, Lord God, just to, just to see our friends. We've come here to meet with you. So Jesus, I thank you that already in our praise and worship, we've encountered your presence. I thank you as we open the scriptures now, we are going to meet with you. We're going to have an encounter. God, if there's any person here who doesn't know you, it's not a follower of Jesus, I just pray that as we just spend more time together, that your Holy Spirit will speak to their heart, Jesus, and that they will find that what they are searching for is in you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. I was talking to one of the parents uh, of some kids that come to our church here last week at the end of the service, and we were just catching up and talking. And I was talking to this parent, and he was telling me about how his, uh, his daughters had started to play netball. And so that they were going along to netball and had been starting to play. And I think they were two weeks in, and he was just explaining to me how the day before, which was last Saturday, how they had lost at netball really badly. Like it's their second game in and they got thrashed. And um, I'm, not, I'm not like excited about that, you know, it sounded like I was. Uh, they just got beaten so badly. And, and um, he was saying that one of his daughters, while it was happening, was getting really despondent. Has anyone been there? You're playing a sport, you're getting beaten, and you feel bad, yeah? And she was really despondent, and so they were trying to encourage uh, that daughter of theirs. And, and, and the dad was explaining to me how before the actual game, they were playing the music in the car on the way there, like the pump-up music, like, we're going to win, we're the winners, some Brian Adams song, we're going to do this, and uh, they get there and they lost. And so I, I was looking at the, the kids were there, they were listening as we were talking about this and sharing this story. And so I'm like, you know, I, I go into pastor mode and I'm like, you know what, here's an opportunity for me to like bring some life, a life story, bring something to these little children. And so I told them about some experiences that I had as a child playing sports. And so some of you may have heard these stories before, but some of you may not have. And I told them about how when I was 14, around about 14 or 15, my brother and I, I got a twin brother, we joined a men's basketball team, an open age men's basketball team. And I was telling them about how uh, we played about four months, about 16 weeks, and we only won one game in that whole period of time. And every week we were getting thrashed. We were getting beaten by 70-year-olds. We were getting beaten by five-year-olds. We, okay, I'm exaggerating. You know, and everyone else had these cool basketball uniforms. We had these, like, dodgy things. And we were getting thrashed. And I remember myself being despondent. I remember myself saying, oh, this is so bad. I don't want to go back. And I don't know whether it was because of loyalty to my teammates. I don't know whether it was because of self-pride. I mean, obviously, I had none to keep going getting thrashed. But anyway, I don't know if it was my dad, you know, like just threatening me, you're going back. I'm not sure which one it was, but we went back and we just kept on losing. Anyway, I shared this story with these two young girls just saying, hey, you know what? Sometimes you're going to lose. It's not always about winning. Sometimes you're going to lose, but in losing, you know, you learn things about yourself. It's good for your character. Uh, you know, you, you learn things and it's good to be in teams. You learn about teamwork and, you know, it's, it's good for life. And 
they just kind of like looked at me and I, I don't know, I think at the age of nine, they weren't really buying it and uh, they were just like, no, yeah, whatever, whatever, Pastor Bronson. And then I turned to the dad and said, no, it's all about winning. Win, win, win. Anyway, <laughs> have you ever been through an experience like that? Well, you're doing something, where you're going through something and it feels like you're just losing, where you've had to endure through a period of time where you're going through this struggle. And, you know, maybe you're going through something that you didn't want to go through. You're suffering in a way. You know, 16 weeks of losing every week, uh, not winning when you're young. It can be an experience. It can be something. But as you grow up, as you get older, you realize there's bigger obstacles that start to come your way. You realize that there's other things that come to your life, situations, different kinds of things that we face and we can't escape them. Just like for some reason I couldn't escape this basketball team, though I did quit at the end of the year. But anyway, we can't escape these obstacles that come in life. They just come and face us. You can't avoid them. You can't get away from them. Some of these things, you know, it could be a marriage breakup, enduring the pain of the event and the continuing suffering that it causes to your life and the ongoing issues that it causes and complications. And then if there's kids involved, custody and visitation rights and then finances dividing all those things up and then lawyers saying all things about you and about your character or it could be ongoing health issues these are things that we endure in life and maybe there's a sickness that you've had from a young age and maybe you're old now and you're still carrying this could be heart disease or mental health issues or maybe you've got something wrong with your sight or it could be with your bowels or whatever it might be these health issues cancer could be financial stress You've lost a job or you've made a, an investment that hasn't gone well and, and, and in losing your job, you know, you still had to keep paying your mortgage repayments and so now you've got credit card debt that's racking up and for all these other types of things and so you find yourself in this place where you're having to endure this season that you don't want to be in. Maybe for you it could be racism or something along those lines where because you don't look like someone else or because you don't come from the same place or you look differently, you're looked down upon, you're not given as many opportunities as others. There's these things in life, this, this suffering that we can go through and I'm sure we could add many other things that you might be facing or you may have faced in your life previously or be facing today. There's these things that we have to endure. And if you add them all up, they just add an additional layer to the stress, the anxiety of life. Who knows that life has already got enough things happening in it. And then you add these other things, causes stress and anxiety and worry and suffering to our lives. Suffering. Someone say suffering. It's not a word we like to hear, is it? It's not a word we like to talk about. There's, there's certain words that have a harshness to them. There's certain words that when we hear them, they kind of like grate against us, grate against our soul. You know, some of those words when we hear them, like, like foreclosure or you're fired, harsh words to hear or inoperable or I don't love you anymore. These kind of words when we hear them, they're, they're hard to hear. They're harsh against our soul and suffering is one of those words. No one wants to suffer. If I was to take a snap poll right now in this room and pass around a sheet of paper, and on that sheet of paper I said, are you searching for happiness or suffering? I would take a really good guess that most people are going to say happiness. Anyone ticking suffering, you got problems. 
But I can guarantee you happiness is going to come out of, out of front. It's not really something that we want to talk about or that we want to deal with or that we want to have to face in life. But the reality is suffering is a part of life. The reality is suffering is something we can't avoid, whether it's something that we're going through or whether it's something a loved one or someone that we know is going through. It exists and it is real. In today's message, I don't want to really look at the, we're not going to look at the broader uh, sense of suffering and delve deeper into that. I want to look at it from a, a, a angle of being Christ-like. But let me just address, seeing as I've brought up suffering, let me just address the big question that always comes around about suffering. And it's a question that if you know people who don't know Jesus, that you, they may have asked you before. And the question is this, why would a loving God allow suffering in the world? Has anyone ever heard that question? Why would a loving God allow suffering in the world? And it's a good question. It's a good question to ask. And, you know, as a Christian, as someone who's studied the Bible myself, as someone who's listened to other people teach on suffering and, and those types of things, I believe that there's, there's several reasons about why there is suffering in the world. Two reasons. I'll just go on to quickly. The first main reason and the biggest reason is the fall of man. Back in the Garden of Eden, when man disobeyed God, in that moment, that allowed sin to enter the world. And the consequence of sin is a fallen nature. And that fallen nature in it causes hate and, and envy and despair and sickness and suffering are all a result of sin. See, this wasn't God's plan for humanity. Sin and suffering wasn't God's plan for humanity. But when we made the choice to do that act, not us personally, but our spirit still aligns with us. There's that human nature inside of us, that fallen nature that aligns with, with taking that fruit and disobeying God. When we did that, that fallen aspect of man came into the world. And it just means that no matter what, there is suffering. The fall of man. The second reason is sometimes our choices. Suffering can also be the consequences of choices that we make individually or that we've made as a society or that a government has made or that someone has made on your behalf, whether you wanted them to or not. A choice has been made and those are the reasons for suffering. And we may do a series where we delve deeper into suffering, if you guys can handle talking about suffering for four weeks in a row. I don't know. But today, I just want to move on from that. I want to keep our discussion about being Christ-like and how Christ suffered. And so we'll look at that. So open your Bibles today to 1 Peter. And we're going to go into there. But before we actually go to the Scripture verse, uh, 1 Peter is basically a book about submission. It's a book about submission. If you read the pages of the, the chapters of 1 Peter, you'll see that Peter talks about all types of things. He talks about submission to authority, to governments, to rulers. He talks about submission to, uh, in marriage. He talks about submission in uh, masters and slaves. And so it's a book all about submission. And the passage we're about to read is specifically written to slaves and how they should respond to their masters. Now, we don't live today here in Melbourne in this church. None of us are slaves and, and none of us have masters that this is going on in other parts of the world. So we may think to ourselves, well, maybe this scripture isn't that relevant to us. But I would say that even though we may not be slaves, this passage is still very relevant to us. And the teachings that Peter is going to show us today is still very relevant. Because can I say something? Um, anyway, I won't go into that. But yeah, 
still as relevant today in 2021 as it was 2,000 years ago. So let's read it. 1 Peter 2 verse 19 says this, For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. What's Peter saying here, uh, if we put it into our context today? Peter, what Peter's saying here is, if you make a decision in your life, and that decision, the consequence is suffering because you made a bad decision, Peter's basically saying, well, guess what? You're kind of on your own. He's suggesting that it's a self-inflicted suffering. Like, if you do something and it's self-inflicted, he says that you, uh, it's yours to endure and there's no credit from your endurance. So he's saying if you make a bad decision and now you're suffering and you're enduring that suffering, well, that's it. Good for you. But don't think that God is crediting you for that suffering. There's a saying, you reap what you sow. So for instance, let me give an example if, if it's not very clear. Let's just say I've got a job. And my job says I need to do X, Y, and Z. And so I'm doing X and Z, but I'm not doing Y. What's going to happen here, guys? No one's ever had a job. (laughs) The manager's going to come to me and say, hey, Bronson, why aren't you doing Y? And I'll have to give my reason. So the manager comes to me and says, hey, Bronson, why aren't you doing Y? And maybe I'll call it Z because Y, you might be thinking I'm saying W-H-Y, but I'm just saying the letter Y. Why aren't you doing Z? And, and, and I said, yeah, I'll do it. And then I go away and I don't do it. I don't do Z. I said, nah, I don't feel like doing it. I only want to do X and Y. The manager comes to me again. And he says, hey, Bronson, I've been watching you, evaluating you. You're not doing Z. You need to do Z. It's part of your job description. It's part of your role in this company, in this organization, wherever you may be working. I said, okay, no worries. I go away. Another month passes. I'm not doing Z. What's going to happen? The manager comes again, comes before me, says, hey, Bronson, look, I'm sorry. We're going to have to put you on a performance management plan now. Uh, If you don't start doing Z, this is going to have consequences. Well, I leave that meeting. I say, no, not happening today, man. You know, I'm my own man. I'm a free man. I don't have to listen to what you say. I tell my boss to ram that job, and I go off. Six months later, still can't find a job. Twelve months later, can't find a job. I'm behind on my rent repayments. I'm struggling to put food on the table for my family. I can't buy clothes for my kids in winter um, because we don't have enough money. I'm suffering, but it's a self-inflicted suffering. If I'd just done what my manager asked me to do, then it would be fine. I'm reaping what I'm sowing. That's a self-inflicted suffering. I've caused my own suffering. However, there might be another situation where you're suffering of no fault of your own. In fact, not even no fault of your own. You were doing good. This is what Peter says. You were doing good. And for some reason, someone or something is now persecuting you, is causing you to suffer. In that situation, that is called unjust suffering. You didn't cause it. You're doing good. In this situation, if you endure the pain, If you endure the suffering, Peter says, God commends it. 
the endurance in that suffering. See, we all understand self-inflicted suffering. Like, like you understand that example. Yeah, If I don't do what the manager asked me to do, I'm going to lose my job. We understand self-inflicted suffering. We get it, but we don't understand and we don't like unjust suffering. There's something inside us that wants to see justice. And we don't like unjust suffering, especially when we're suffering. And the question is, why am I going through this? Like, I don't deserve this. Why am I going through this unjust suffering? Why am I being persecuted in this way? And unjust suffering wants a just God who believes God is a just God. Yeah, unjust suffering wants a just God to come into that place, into that moment of time, into that situation. It wants a just God to come and save the day and to right the wrong. But what we find is Peter says, he suggests, and that's my prayer for you, and that's my prayer for myself, God, come, save me. But Peter suggests that maybe God doesn't always come. He doesn't always rescue us in that situation, because what's he doing? He wants to see if we're going to endure. He wants to see if we're going to endure, and in the enduring, it is commendable. He commends us in our endurance in suffering. Perhaps today you're sitting here, and you, you haven't experienced unjust suffering. Maybe you've uh, experienced, you know, self-inflicted suffering, you, you, whatever it might be, but you haven't experienced unjust suffering. And you think to yourself, well, life's good. I've not experienced that. Can I tell you something today? As a form of encouragement to the believers here today, if you believe in Jesus Christ, this is a form of encouragement to you. If you don't believe in Jesus, this is not for you. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, let me encourage you today. Suffering's coming. Suffering is coming. All the church said, yes. Everyone's looking at me like, ugh. Suffering is coming. There's coming a day where Christians will face unjust suffering just because we believe in Jesus. There will come a day, one day, where the question will be, do you believe in Jesus? And if you say yes, you will be persecuted. You will suffer unjust suffering. If you say, no, I don't believe in Jesus, life will be fine. You can continue on. But there is coming a day where Christians who will worship the one true God, Jesus Christ, who will not bow their knee to any person or, or organization or government, you will face suffering. And you might say to yourself, what makes you say that, Bronson? Well, I'm not saying this out of my own knowledge. I'm saying it because Jesus says it. He says it here. Look at this, Matthew 5. In the Beatitudes, Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, when you're persecuted because of Jesus, Jesus says, rejoice. Rejoice because your reward is in heaven. Your reward is in heaven. You are blessed. And I pray that it's not in my time or in my kids' lifetime or my grandkids' lifetime. But, but I think that, you know, suffering is something as Christians we need to be prepared for and we need to realize it's coming. And I think it's maybe closer than we think. Possibly could be within the next 50 years, 100 years, 20 years, 5 years. I don't know. But there is coming a day. The Bible says it. Where because you believe in Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to suffer. 
So every one of us is going to experience suffering one day. And, you know, we, we've seen it already in the world, uh, where in, in different parts of the world where the church can't meet like this on a Sunday. If they meet like this, they're thrown in prison. So they have to meet underground in home churches. And there's coming a day where that is going to happen in the West, just like it has happened over there. And as I talk about that, and as I say that, you, you might be experiencing some anxiety or stress or worry or fear about that. Can I just say to you something? It's nothing to be fearful about. It's nothing to be fearful about, to fear that. Because look at this. Look what Peter says in verse 21. 1 Peter 2.21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you example that you should follow in his steps. Hey, we didn't tell you about that when you did the altar call and received Jesus, did we? <laughs> you were called to suffering. But why? Because Jesus suffered for you. Follow his example. You would follow in his steps. We see that phrase again, leaving you an example. We've talked about that in previous weeks. In other words, Peter says, be like Jesus. Be Christ-like. Be like Jesus. How can we be like Christ in suffering? We're about to find out. In, in verse 21, he ends with the sentence, you should follow in his steps. I can remember as a child being at the beach, and we might have been going... Um, to swimming, we might have been at a surf beach going swimming, or we might have been at the beach because we were going fishing, but whatever it might have been, I can remember as a child following my dad as we walked along the beach, and my dad, his footprints would be in the sand, and I remember as a young child jumping from footstep to footstep, going to those footprints, Is it, does anyone, has everyone ever done that? You remember doing that yourself? If you're too old to remember that and you've got kids, maybe they did that to you as, as the parent. But you remember following in the footsteps. And I can remember that um, some kids were able to just step really easily. But because my dad was big and he walked fast, I had to kind of like jump to get into those footsteps. We all remember that, yep. I remember also uh, when I hiked in Papua New Guinea, I can remember that there were the porters or the guides and there, there were certain sections of the track that we hiked in that were very, um, uh, it was very uh, um, uneven ground with, with slippery rocks and it was a little bit unsure where to put your feet, you know, mossy rocks and, and rivers, all those kinds of things. And so they were, it was difficult, hazardous. And so the guides, um, the porters would say, put your feet here. Actually, follow us. Watch us closely. Where we put our feet, put your feet. So when you climb this hill, it's easier because we've got the experience. We know what we're doing. Follow us. What was my dad or the porter doing? They were making a way. They were making a way. In some regards, walking in their footprints took the pressure off me. All I had to do was look for the footprints. All I had to do was follow where they're going. And you know what? Jesus is exactly the same. He is exactly the same. He's made a way for us. Jesus is not asking you to blaze a trail where he has not gone. He's not asking you to blaze a trail through some place where his presence isn't, where his Holy Spirit is not. He's gone before you. He's made a way. And so when we follow Jesus, we're just following in his footsteps. How are we like Jesus? How are we Christ-like? By looking to Jesus and following his Example. So today, write this down. How are we like Jesus? We are like Jesus when we endure suffering, like Jesus endured suffering. Okay? We are like Jesus when we endure suffering, 
like Jesus endured suffering. See, we can have suffering and endure it, but all the time we're complaining and moaning and cursing someone and, and you know, shaking our fists at the sky. We can endure suffering that way, but no, no. We want to be like Jesus, endure suffering, how he endured suffering. So if the kids could come, that'd be great. So how did Jesus endure suffering? Peter lays it out in verses 22 and 23. He says this, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So, what can we learn about suffering by Jesus' example? And how can we endure in suffering like Jesus endured? Three quick thoughts that I want to share with you today. If you're taking notes, write these down about how to be like Jesus. Number one, Jesus' suffering wasn't self-inflicted. So the first thing we learn about Jesus, about suffering like Jesus, is that his suffering wasn't self-inflicted. Okay, it wasn't because of a decision he made. It wasn't because of something he said. It wasn't self-inflicted. I don't think I need to say this, but Jesus didn't sin. Self-inflicting suffering is the result of sin in our lives. Jesus didn't sin, so he didn't do self-inflicted suffering. What's self-inflicted sin again? It's sin caused by bad choices, deceit, sin in our lives, wanting our own thing, being selfish, all those types of things. No, Jesus suffered not because of the sin in his life. Jesus suffered, we all know this, because of the sin in our lives. Not self-inflicted, unjust suffering for Jesus. The sin of my life, the sin of your life, the deceit in my life, the deceit in your life. Jesus was suffering because of that sin in our life. Peter says, Christ suffered for you. Christ suffered for you. See, Jesus suffered as a substitution for you, as a substitution for me, as a substitution for our sins. So you suffer like Jesus when your suffering isn't caused by your own sin or deceit. Number one, Jesus' suffering wasn't self-inflicted. Number two, Jesus endured, endured suffering by not retaliating or threatening. Through all of Jesus' suffering, not once, do we see him retaliate or not runs? Do we see him threaten those people around him? Has anyone ever caused suffering in your life? Has anyone ever done anything wrong by you? Has anyone ever caused you pain? Has anyone ever caused you hurt? And you've lashed out at them? Like you've either like exploded at them, shouted at them, or you've done it in the privacy of your own, own home. You're like, I should have said this. And you know, you've, you've, you've maybe sworn at them or cursed them. You've maybe pulled their name down. You've maybe spoken bad about them. Maybe you've even got in a physical fight with them, something along those lines. Jesus didn't act like this. Every punch, every slap, every lash that he faced, every word that was spoken to him, every spit in the face, we see no retaliation from Jesus. You look in the Gospels. It doesn't say anywhere that Jesus retaliated in any way. Every pulling of the beard from his face. And we see no threat from Jesus either. The soldiers that, are, that arrested him, the witnesses that spoke against him, the religious leaders that brought the charges against him and plotted his death, the Romans who were involved in carrying out his crucifixion, the thief next to the cross beside him that cursed him. We see no threat from Jesus against those people. 
We see no words from Jesus saying, I'm going to get you back. We see no word from Jesus to say, you're going to suffer. You're going to, my, my father is going to make you suffer. You're going to be punished. I'm going to ensure that my disciples kill you. You're going to face eternal damnation. We see no threat from Jesus to these people. Through all the suffering that Jesus faced, he neither retaliated against those causing him so much pain nor threatened, I will get you back. Jesus endured suffering by not retaliating or threatening. And number three, and finally, Jesus endured suffering by leaving it to God. So far, we've talked about what Jesus didn't do. Here we're talking about what Jesus did do. He left it to God. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, he left it up to God to judge justly. He said, God, I'm leaving it in your hands. I'm handing it to you. Jesus knew that justice would be done. He knew. He knew it was in God's hands. He knew that justice would come. That this unjust suffering that he was facing, he knew that God's justice would come. But instead of focusing, instead of focusing on justice coming into this situation, what he did was he focused on God. He focused on looking to God. On being, and he focused on being an example to me, an example to you on how we can endure in suffering, on how we had to suffer in a way that he suffered. And, and, and when you face unjust suffering, you need to realize that you have a just God who will deal with the person or the situation. And it may not be how you want it dealt with, thunderbolts and lightning. It may not be how you want it dealt with in that regards. It may not be in your timing. Now, God, now strike them. Now, God, it may not be in your timing. It may be longer than you want. It may not be in your timing, but it may not even be in your lifetime. But remember what Matthew says in Matthew 5.12. Rejoice. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven from the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. You know how Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all these prophets that went before you rejoice. You're being persecuted just like they were. They, they persecuted Jesus Christ. Rejoice. You're just like Jesus in that time of persecution and suffering. At the start of this year, we had a series called Start Fresh, if anyone remembers that. And we talked about how there's some things we need to stop. We talked about how there's some things that we need to start. And so I don't know how you're doing with that. I hope you, that you've been doing that. But in this passage today, when it comes to enduring suffering, like Jesus enduring su endured suffering, there's some things we need to stop. Self-inflicted suffering, bad choices, threatening, retaliating. We need to stop those things. And there's some things we need to start. Well, one thing we need to start, just leave it to Jesus. Just give it to God. Leave it to God. I wonder if we, I wonder if we looked at suffering and we did suffering like Jesus, I wonder what kind of difference it might make to our world. I wonder what kind of difference it might make in your personal life, in your family, in our workplaces, in our church, if we took the example of Jesus. If in our suffering that we experienced, if we were like Jesus, Enduring suffering like Jesus endured suffering. People might look at us and they know the story of our life. They know what we're going through. They, they, they know the suffering that we're going through in, in a season of life that we're enduring. And they looked at us and they said, wow, with all that you're going through, with everything that's happening, there's still some part of you. There's still this, this, 
they're not going to say rejoicing because they don't use those kind of words, but there's still this happiness they might call it. But we call it rejoicing. There's still this joy of God in your life. This, you know, you're, you're able to get through. How is it that you can go through this? You can say to this person, it's because I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus and I'm just following the example of Jesus. And in my Bible, which I read, it gave some examples of how Jesus suffered. And I'm just trying to live my life in the way that He suffered. And by doing it like Jesus did it, I'm able to call upon God and I'm able to get through what I'm getting through. doesn't necessarily change it, doesn't necessarily make it better, but it changes something in the inside of us. See, there will be no more suffering or pain or hurt and sorrow in heaven. There's a day coming, church. Rejoice. Good news. There's going to be no suffering, no sorrow, no hurt, no pain, no tears, no, 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 you know, no, no poverty, no, no, no sickness, no starvation, no hate, no racism, none of those things. There's going to be none of that in heaven. It's going to be a great day. But until we leave this life for the next, see, there's a price. We're going to leave this life to get to that life. Until we leave this life for the next, suffering is just something that we're going to have to live with. It's with us. How can we be Christ-like? How can we, we be like Jesus? We are like Jesus when we endure suffering like Jesus endured suffering. Let's pray, church. God, I thank you today. In this place, Lord, as we've read this scripture.